Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. How much should I charge? That's a question that I hear all too often here at Entree Architect. How do you set a proper hourly billing rate as an entrepreneur architect working hard to build a profitable architecture firm? No one ever taught us how to do this. So we, we try to match the market or we just flat out guess. Well, I have fantastic news for you. We've developed a brand new tool from Entree Architect. It's called the Entree Architect Hourly Billing Rate Calculator. Just read the simple questions, input the answers, and the calculator will do all the heavy lifting. The calculator will provide you with a proposed hourly billing rate, including your pay rate, a calculated amount for overhead, and your target net profit. In seconds, you'll know exactly how much you should be billing your next client. Download this valuable tool today for free at entrearchitect.com slash billing rate calculator. That's entrearchitect.com slash billing rate calculator. Hello, my name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 263, and this week I'm with my friend Kevin Costello of The Ranch Mine, and we're talking about how to use Instagram to find the projects you want. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, Gusto. Gusto is refreshingly easy payroll, benefits, and HR for the modern small business. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, 
CAD details, BIM, specifications, and so much more at rcat.com and FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work you love. Kevin Costello, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Glad to be back, Mark. It's good to have you back. Kevin uh, Costello is a multiple national award-winning architect based in Phoenix, Arizona. And you may recognize his name here at the podcast because Kevin's been here before. You can check out his origin story at episode 138, How to Design and Sell Modern Architecture. That's a question I get all the time. Can we actually build an entire architecture firm? exclusively on modern architecture and how do we get that firm started that's the episode to listen to episode 138 Kevin tells you everything about how he started his firm um gave gives right down into the detail there so go check that out at episode 138 then he was back with claire claire is his wife and his business partner um on episode 154 and they talked about how to succeed as a married couple in architecture which I am also a married couple in architecture with my wife, Anne-Marie. And so that was a great conversation with Kevin and Claire talking about, um, and they were pretty transparent in that episode back in episode 154. So if you have that question, you, you have a, a married couple, you want to try to figure out how to make this thing work, they're talking about how to make it work, episode 154. And then not too long ago, episode 225, Kevin was back again talking about how to grow your architecture firm beyond that sole practitioner, beyond that one member. How do you grow a team? And so he was talking about how he started uh, hiring his team on episode 225. Today, we're going to talk about Instagram, because if you follow architects or architecture on Instagram, you've likely bumped into The Ranch Mine, which is Kevin's uh, architecture firm. It's The Ranch Mine Official. Um, so if you're following architects, I'm sure you follow Kevin. Uh, Kevin and his wife, Claire, have worked very hard to build that presence on Instagram. And they're, uh, they're, I would say there's probably only a handful of accounts that I've seen that fully embrace Instagram and have done that great job of telling the story uh, of their architecture firm and the process of what they do as architects. And I'm often asked if Instagram is worth the time or an effort. Or is it just sort of a, a practice of vanity? Is it just throwing up photographs and, you know, to, to sort of, you know, uh, sh show what you do? And it's like a, an online portfolio. Is it really worth the time? And I know from talking with Kevin and watching what he does that it's worth his time. So mm -hmm. I invited Kevin back. And I want to talk about why he chose Instagram to promote his firm. Uh, talk a little bit about how his workflow works to get that done, because it's, that's a lot of time involved in, in putting together an Instagram account that works the way his works, and to share the results. Does it really work? So I want to talk about that. So, Kevin, how's it going over at the Ranch Mine? It's going really well. Uh, thanks for checking in. We have two employees now. Uh, like last time I mentioned, it was about a year and a half ago. I think we had hired our first employee, maybe, and we've gone through some employees, and we have two employees right now, and it's it's going really well. So. Um, we're, uh, we're happy and, uh, and healthy over here. Great. Great. So to tell for people who haven't listened to those other episodes, talk a little bit about your firm, how mm -hmm. it started, what type of work that you do. Um, and then sort of roll that into <clears throat> a little bit about your overall marketing strategy. Sure. So, uh, like Mark mentioned, our firm is called the ranch mine. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. 
we almost exclusively work in residential, uh, primarily new builds and significant renovation additions. Uh, we started with smaller projects and now we're, those are the primary focus of our, of our business. Most of our work uh, is, is pretty modern. Uh, we like to say that our clients have the pioneer spirit. They're people that are looking for something different, uh, are looking to push the boundaries. And those are the clients that we want. And those are the clients that we've been able to attract using social media as well as online publications and that sort of thing. So, so how does social media overall fit into the overall uh, marketing strategy of, of the ranch mine? It's it's our primary focus in terms of marketing. We've never spent a dime on advertising. We've never done any paid boosts. It's it's all been organic. Um, for me, uh, we look at social media like um, a modern newsletter. It's sort of the way to give bite-sized information over time. Um, so similar to newsletters, we see it as you know it's not sales driven. It's not trying to sell ourselves. It's more informational. Um, and we try to focus on um, content towards what we believe will be attractive to potential clients rather than necessarily trying to impress other architects or, or that sort of thing. Um, I think it can fall sometimes into the same trap as websites where right. you might be focused too much on, you know, trying to impress your peers rather than focus on your target market. Right. It's really about what you want to accomplish with that, that medium. You know, if you, if you want to build a portfolio website, that just is a portfolio where you can send people to see the type of work you do, then great. That's great. Right. But if you expect that website to uh, convert potential um, uh, prospects into clients, some sort of sales tool, and it's not built as a sales tool, it won't work as a sales right. tool. It's only going to be a portfolio. Same thing right. with, 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 um, with social media overall. You can, there's Instagram. There is uh, Facebook. There's Pinterest. There's LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. there's Twitter. There's many, many different um, media media to choose from, yeah. and uh, and I'd like to sort of understand. I for for one, Cabin, do you focus mm -hmm. on all of them, or are you just sort of only focused on Instagram? Because that's where I see you most. Pretty much only Instagram. We'll occasionally we use Facebook now more as a portfolio piece. Um, you know, where people can find us. So we'll post final photos and that kind of stuff. We don't show nearly as much on Facebook. Twitter just sort of redoes our Instagram, but mm -hmm. uh, we've never really had any success there. So we don't spend any time. Um, we used to do, house used to be a huge thing for us uh, early on. I think house has gotten a bit saturated and the pay for market has really uh, sort of made it not worth as much time. Uh, invest in there. Um, and it's not really social media, right? There's not really typically a conversation. It's usually people asking where they, you got a vanity or something. Um, so we, we saw Instagram as a great medium because it's, it's very simple. It's very focused. Um, we saw the traffic that everyone was getting on Instagram, uh, all different ages. Um, you know, it wasn't just a young person thing. It wasn't just an old person thing. It was um, it didn't have some of the tangents that Facebook can have when you write a post and the, the messages can go sort of off, off subject. Uh, so we, we liked how focused it was in that we could basically, if we were consistent over time, we could tell a very long story that we could curate um, and then have sort of very specific conversations rather than broader discussions. 
So you are on Facebook, but it's really just a way to showcase your work. Um, Correct. Do, do you feel that that every residential, because I would I would focus it on residential architecture. Mm-hmm. Do you think every residential architect should have a Facebook page because that's where people are initially looking for you? I, I think you should. I don't think you need to spend a ton of time. I think people might search for you and it's, it's a way to find you. I think it's good to sort of be on all of them, uh, at least, you know, because sometimes you can sort of funnel people from that to right. a different social uh, platform. So even if they go to our Facebook and they go to our website, from our website, they're probably going to go to our Instagram. So it, it, it all works that way. Um, we've just found with uh, with Facebook that you can you know you can see how many people it reaches. It's very low how many of your people that like you actually get the content that you're you're putting out there, uh, unless you boost it. Right. Um, Which is paid. Instagram, correct? Uh, Instagram for now, we'll see. Um, it is pretty good in terms of still being pretty organic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you also were talking about story that you use mm-hmm. Instagram because it, it allows you to, to tell this story. Can you talk about for anybody who doesn't understand what Instagram is, because there might mm-hmm. be a few people listening who, who know that it's social media, but really haven't been on it. Don't really understand what we're talking about. Could you sort of explain what it is? Um, and then how that, uh, is a great tool for telling your story. Sure. Um, it's, it's very simple in terms of basically two, almost kind of three formats that you can post on there. You have your feed, uh, or your grid, which is basically just an image. Uh, you have, uh, stories, which is, uh, typically, I think they're 15 seconds long or so, um, that you can, you can do and they're vertical, um, that you can do stories. And then there's Instagram TV. We haven't really explored much of that. Uh, that's relatively new. Um, and in terms of telling a story, sort of the way that we look at it is it's other than like having an in-person meeting or, or doing a lecture or presentation or something like that, it's really difficult to go beyond the photo, right? In, in this day and age, people just click and see photos. It's very hard to go beyond. And we sort of see it as each caption should tell something that we want to get across about a project. It doesn't need to tell everything because there's not enough time and people won't read it. But if you can tell a little bit, you know, twice a week over three years, you're started to tell a really long story. And so that's sort of the way that we look at it. That is that the really the big key is that the posts are relevant and that they are consistent. And I think the biggest issue most people have is the consistency and I think similar to a newsletter, a newsletter really only works if it's consistent. If you're just once every four months, people have forgotten about you or you're not there or top of mind when they're thinking about it. So we found that consistency is really key and consistency over time. So you're posting twice per week and you've been doing yes. it for three years. I think maybe even four now, maybe. Um, I'd have to go back and look. So but, a long time. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> We yeah. used to we just we used to actually post I think three times a week, but with stories when stories came out, we've shifted to do some stories every week as well. So, so you're, to, are you doing stories in addition to the two posts per week on your grid? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So so just to clarify, the grid are just you post photographs or videos, little short form mm-hmm. videos, um, and under the video or the or the image, you have an opportunity to write a caption, and I think it's pretty unlimited in how long you can post, right? Yeah, I think so. At a certain point, you get the dot, 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 you know, right. um, 
and, and people have to sort of click on it, I think, but it is relatively unlimited. We try to keep it to, I don't know, four sentences, five sentences. Sometimes it can be longer if, if you're doing a video and you want to explain more. Um, but, uh, and, and the key in the caption we found too is it's just like the image. It's got to hook someone quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't start off with something very not interesting and fluffy to get to the point. You kind of got to hook and then, um, you know, a certain amount of people will read the caption. Right. And so, so and you, and you, another idea in terms of consistency is not only that you post on a regular calendar schedule, but also the type of work that you're posting, that you're not posting your, you know, your, your personal images in between your business images. And, you know, you're not posting, uh, you know, pictures of a tool while, you know, Mm -hmm. your overall strategy in the storytelling process that when someone clicks on your account and sees your overall grid, that that grid is telling that story that Kevin's talking about over time. Is that, is that, how important is that? Is that consistency of, of the type of images and the, and the captions that you're posting? I think it's, it's, we found at least personally that it's more about the consistency of having impactful posts rather than the consistency of a look. Mm-hmm. I think when you read a lot of blogs or experts, they say, make sure your grid has, you know, all the same filter. Maybe you crop in all the photos and you've got this really pretty thing when someone scrolls through it. I think that's good to a certain extent. Um, and we, tr- we've tried a variety of things, but what, like, and for example, a lot of experts would say like, don't put two images like a before and an after mm-hmm. into a photo. We tried it and they are by far the most commented, liked on, shared photos that we've ever posted by far. Um, they don't look great in the grid, but the, the, the messages and the private messages and the potential work that we get from them far exceeds the prettiness of the, some of the beautiful photos that we share just by themselves. So I think it's really more consistency in the story you're telling and consistently having impactful images and, and saying something interesting versus um, a pretty grid. Because I think that, again, is similar to websites, right? If you have a be- beautiful website, maybe it doesn't have the depth or the interest that really it takes to get a client. It might look good on the surface, but I think, for, for at least for us personally, the clients that we get are looking for the depth. Um, and so I think it's really important to make sure that that is, is carried through all your posts. Yeah. I, again, I think it goes back to intent, right? The intent mm-hmm. of what you want this, this account to, to do. What are the results you're looking for? If, if you're a, a professional photographer, right? right. And, and you want to highlight your style and your look and your type of architecture or, or your type of photographs, then that grid, that overall consistency of grid and the images and the way they look, and when you look at them in a grid, that they're all beautiful and they're all the same, and that tells the story, and that's the intent of that type of account. But if your type of account is like Cavins, where your intent is to tell a story about the architecture that you're designing and the firm that, you, that you're running, then that consistency is important. And I think it comes down to planning, right? Cavin, you sort right. of have to understand what you want to achieve and then go back, like every time we ever talk about planning, what do you actually mm-hmm. want to achieve with that? And how are you going to achieve it? And so you actually figure that out and you plan and you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to post twice a week. 
This mm-hmm. is the type of story I'm going to tell. This is, you know, and it's not scripted all the way through the year, but the intent right. is there. You know what you want to achieve. And if it doesn't fit within that plan, then you don't post it on that account. And if you want to have pictures of your lunch and you want to <laughs> show pictures of your, of your children, if, that, if those things don't fit within the story, because sometimes they do, right. um, then just open another account. They're free. Just open yeah, a personal yeah, account. Exactly. You know, I have yeah, two- I think that I think that's a great point in terms of the different what your target is, because I do agree photographers or you know, you'll see uh, fashion models or that kind of stuff. The grid is incredibly important to those. So I think okay. it really you have to think about it in your own personal way. You know, I'm just looking at it from our point of view. But you know, there are a variety of ways depending on what you want to get. Yeah. Yeah. And some, and like I said, sometimes your pictures of your kids and your family are part of your story of your architecture firm. Um, It's just a matter of whether it is or not. It needs to be intentional. Right. Yeah. Because if you're a family focused firm and you know, your kids are part of it, that's, that's great. And yeah, feel free to do that. We've also found that we use, and we can get into it later, what kind of things we put on our feed versus what kind of things we put in our stories. Yeah. That, that can change as as well. Yeah, I want to get into stories. So so stories wasn't part of Instagram originally. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought it in later. Actually, it was a response to to um, uh, Snapchat. Right. And Snapchat was based on stories. They were gaining a lot of traction and pulling a lot of eyeballs away from Instagram. And so Instagram just copied it. Facebook bought mm-hmm. Instagram, and they basically just copied what Snapchat was doing and right. and created stories. Um, which is a very powerful tool. Can you explain what Stories is and how it's different than the grid? Sure. So Stories, the first difference is that uh, the shape, it's a vertical, it's the size of your phone, basically. So that's something to consider. So it's full, uh, full second, screen. Full screen, vertical. Um, the second thing is that I think they're limited to 15 seconds per story. And then the third thing is that after 24 hours, they delete unless you want to save them. Um, so for, for, for people, you can, it, I, we find it as a nice way to show things that maybe over time are not going to hold up as well, but in the moment, they're just little snippets of what's going on. Right. It's more, more about sort of real time, right? You, right. Can, you can sort of track what's happening today at the ranch mine, whereas right. the grid is more about the overall long-term story of what mm-hmm. you do and, and brand building story is more about getting, getting a little bit more intimate about who you are and what your firm does and how it's doing what it's doing. Right. Yeah. So we find stories are great for like, uh, whenever we get something published, right. Unless it's a big publication or something that we really want to have highlighted on the feed. It's cause those can kind of get obnoxious over time is to, to throw them in stories like, Hey, check us out in this magazine or Hey, we're doing a lecture here or that, that sort of sort of quick stuff. Um, and for architects, I think it's great for construction photos. I think construction photos over time don't hold up as well when you're scrolling through a feed, especially when you have a f- finished project eventually, that the construction photos are, can sometimes feel like duplicates of it. You know, if the framing looks something like the original house or the, the final house, uh, that it's a great way to quickly show updates on projects and keep people interested moving along and in a much more informal way than on the, on the grid. Yeah, and because they they do delete after 24 hours, they're temporary, and so mm-hmm. if they don't fit into your the overall story of what you're trying to tell on that grid, it's perfectly acceptable if this is how you want to use your your story to post mm-hmm. the things that are less appropriate on your grid that you can mm-hmm. post. You know, we're having a a firm party, right? And and right. we're posting some images of the party. 
where that wouldn't make sense on your grid potentially, it makes complete sense on, in the story. Exactly. Perfect example. Um, you know, even if you're going on vacation, maybe, and you're looking at other architecture that's inspiring you, that's a great thing for stories. Probably not the best to flood your grid with other people's work if that's not what you're trying to do. Um, but stories is a perfect uh, use for that. Right. And, and stories is something that, you, that uh, your followers need to intentionally go look for. The right. grid comes up on a feed. So if you're following somebody, a bunch of photos come up on your feed. And what, if you post and somebody's following you, then your grid photo or your grid video will post up on that feed. Your story is highlighted. And if you're mm -hmm. following that person, this, it'll highlight as a story. And you actually have to click on the story image to actually right. see what that person has, has posted. And so it's, it's a little bit more intentional, you know, more um, the people who are watching your story want to see that story. They're, right. looking, they're looking to see what that story is. So, it, so it's a great way to sort of build a relationship through Instagram um, mm -hmm. using, using story instead of grid or in, 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 um, uh, in addition to using your grid. Right. And you can even tell different, a different story about what you do through your stories than through your grid. So, for example, let's just say you're doing uh, middle to high-end homes, but a lot of your followers may not be able to afford that type of work. You can show smaller details, little things that they could do on the stories to keep them engaged, right? Yeah. Where maybe showing a new, uh, you know, eight hundred thousand dollars house is not something that is currently a reality for them. You can show them small little things on the story, so you can tell different uh, stories of what you do and how you're doing it um, through the grid and the stories separately but concurrently at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so you post twice a week on the grid and with stories, is it intentional in terms of, of consistency? It's not nearly as, as consistent in terms of in, intention because it's more based on when we have good stuff to post on stories. It's more so spontaneous. The grid, exactly. It's more spontaneous. We, we make an effort to at least do once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the goal. Uh, sometimes, you know, if it's, cause as you know, during construction, let's just say there are certain times of construction that nobody really wants to see, right? Like posting wiring or reducting and that kind of stuff. It's, that's not going to be a great uh, story. It could be, I guess, depending on how you do it. But, um, and then there are certain times when you're putting in the cabinets and the countertops and like that people get really excited about that's much more uh, tactile and real to them. Maybe you're posting more during those times. So it, it can, it can, um, change based on uh, the, the flow of your projects and that kind of stuff be a little bit more fluid, but the consistency is definitely in the grid. How much preparation are you putting into the images that you're posting both on the grid and as in terms of stories? The grid, we put a fair deal of preparation into. So we typically, I don't spend a ton of time on Instagram. You can actually track how much time you're on Instagram. Uh, I'm on less than 20 minutes a day max. And that includes just scrolling as well. So business is probably 10 to 15 minutes a day. Um, but what I typically like to do is I don't prepare, you know, a month out, I prepare a week out. And typically uh, like in the winter on a Sunday, I'll be watching a football game and I'll, you know, it's, there's a lot of commercials just plan. Okay. What's my, uh, what's the first post of the week? What's the second post of the week? Uh, you know, scroll through my images, see what I want to tell, look at my feed to see what I've posted the previous week. I don't want to be redundant with certain things. I want to give variety. So I, I figure out what I want to do there. And then just on my phone in my notes, I will write up a little, um, 
you know, the caption, what I want to say, think about it. Um, and then I have sort of also in my notes, different hashtags and that kind of stuff prepared so that when that time comes to post, it's just, you know, copy, paste, post the photo, you know, 20 seconds and you're done. Um, I know there are apps that you can pre-schedule this stuff ahead of time. Uh, personally, I haven't, haven't done that yet. It doesn't take me too long to just do it myself typically. Um, so it's, it's probably, it really depends on, um, how much stuff you have in the moment to post, how much time you're going to spend on the weekend. Cause sometimes let's just say you just finished a new project. It's very easy because you have, you know, a catalog of 20, 30 new photos that you can do over the next few months. That that's pretty easy when you're in that time where it's like your project's about to finish and you haven't had one finished in a little while. Maybe it's, maybe you have to spend a little bit more time going back to your archives and finding different stuff or creating content through, you know, drawings or renderings or that kind of stuff. We'll be right back to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors at Entree Architect. Gusto, RCAT, and FreshBooks. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And old school payroll providers they just don't get it. They aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. They're different. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy for you to get things right. You no longer have to be a big company to get the great technology, those great benefits, and the great service for your team. To help support this show, the Entree Architect podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months, three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto and claim your free three months of payroll processing today. entrearchitect.com slash gusto. For years, when I needed information on manufacturers' products, I headed straight to Google. Then I sifted through the hundreds of results to find the one or two that might be the link to the product that I'm looking for. And more often than not, the link was not what I was seeking. It was outdated or didn't meet my requirements. So I went back to the search engine and started all over again. And this could take all afternoon to find the two or three products that I need. Does this sound familiar? I know you've done this. There is a better way. It's called RCAT. RCAT.com. A-R-C-A-T.com. Find what you're looking for in seconds. Building product information, BIM, CAD, and custom specifications using their exclusive tool, SpecWizard. So make RCAT part of your efficient project workflow. Just type in entrearchitect.com slash RCAT in the internet browser and add that to your favorites. Just click that little favorites button, make RCAT your favorites, and then visit RCAT for every project. Make it part of your workflow. Find what you need fast and make more money on every project. EntreeArchitect.com slash RCAT. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash A-R-C-A-T. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice just seconds after starting their free trial. 
And the same goes for time tracking, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's fast and easy. And if you need help at any time, free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you ever have second thoughts, don't worry. On top of our free trial here for Entree Architect listeners, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee so you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. So give FreshBooks a try. Try it free for 30 days. Just visit EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access your free, unlimited 30-day trial. Gusto, RCAP, and FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. How much time do you put into the editing of the image? Do you do you do you have to do a lot of um, editing? Well, so of the final photos, no, right? Because they're they're final. Or they're professional uh, photographers. They're professional uh, photos. Occasionally, a little bit, just because you have to crop it. You don't necessarily have to crop it. They, I think they look better square. Uh, just they fit better in the feed. Sometimes you do just leave them as their typical whatever six nine ratio or whatever it is, just to show the whole the whole thing. Um, so with those very little to none, um, for like construction photos, not much, maybe like a minute or two to make sure that the perspective and everything is right. That it's not, you know, wonky, but a few minutes at, at most, um, we do sometimes with stories because it's that very long vertical, it is more difficult to get those kind of photos. So I do have on Photoshop a template that is the exact size of what that can be. So I can bring photos in from my camera to that and see how they'll look on the screen before uh, posting something like that. Um, so if you need to crop in a certain way, you can do it there. So it's really not no more than a few minutes on that, on that kind of stuff. The longest amount of time goes into if we want to create something specifically for like a video or a render or something for Instagram. Yeah. And you had, you had mentioned, um, software that does automation with a lot of this, a lot of social media in general, it's great to sort of have these tools that automatically post. Um, and you, you know, I, we can get, get into that. We have gotten into that in other episodes, but there's some, some philosophy on whether that's the right thing to do or not. And, and whether you do, if you do use automation that you still need to be there, you know, to, to follow up with comments and things like that. Um, with Instagram, they don't allow third-party uh, software to post directly to Instagram, right? So you can you can set it up automatically and have it ready to go. You'll get a reminder, and then you still have to post it directly to Instagram, correct? Or did they change that? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I haven't. Uh, I've done a little research. I haven't done a ton on it. So yeah. we just found it. Like I said, if, if you prepare it on the weekend, it, it's or you know if you're watching TV at night, it's much easier to just then post at that time. Yeah. Um, and then they also don't allow, which is we can get into results because one of the things that I hear very often is they don't even allow a link back to your website. They don't allow a link right. in the, in the, uh, caption. You can't have right. a, a, you know, a link that you click that sends you somewhere else. You can put the link there, but it won't be live. It won't be an active link. Right. Um, and so how do you actually make it work? So you do all this work, you're consistent, you do beautiful photos, you have great architecture, you're telling a great story. How do you actually get the results from that? 
It's it's a it's a long game we've found. Um, most of the clients that we get now have said we've been following you for years on Instagram. On Instagram, so it it is not going to be like you start posting and then next week someone's like, "You're the person I want." I mean, maybe, but it we found it to be we didn't join it as a way to immediately get clients. It's really just to hopefully engage people in a very casual way so that when we get the call or email from them, they feel like they know us. They feel like they, they know how we work and there's already a trust there that we've built slowly over time. And we've found it to be so much more, um, helpful to secure jobs and to get the kind of jobs that we're hoping to get um, by by speaking in a in a specific way. So you're building relationships. Yeah, right? I, I, it's it's building relationships, even if it's passively. I mean, some right. of the people yeah. that that, you know, become our clients and then ultimately friends and that kind of stuff will tell they never, ever sent us a private message. They never commented on one of our posts. They they, you know sat back and were watching TV with their husband or something and said, Hey, check this out, you know, and, and did that a bunch of times, you know, over, again, over time until eventually they decided to, to reach out. And I think it's just a, a nice way. Of course, there are a bunch of people also who privately message or comment on posts and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, we, we found that really the goal is not to, is not to get more followers. That's not the goal. The goal is to give information that separates us from our competition and connects us to our target market. That's, very, that's really very, the goal. very, very important. Say that again, because that's really very yeah. important what you just said. So, so the goal is not to get more followers. The goal is to give information that separates us and what we do from our competition and, and to target um, the people that we want to work with. Yeah. That, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. You're brand building is what you're doing, right? Exactly. You're, exactly. You're, you're telling your story. So someone else isn't going to tell it for you. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're allowed, you're building a relationship with these people because they're following you. And when they finally do connect with you, they know Kevin, they know Claire, mm-hmm. they know what yeah. they do because they've been following you for years. They feel like they're, they're part of your network. They're part of your family at the firm. Mm-hmm. And so when it's t- time to do an architecture project, who else are they going to go to? They're going to go to the person right. that they've built a relationship with and they trust and they like, and they're going to take the next step and contact you and, and move into the next stage. Um, and, and whether it's Instagram or it's a, a blog, I used to do that with blogs when, when we, yeah. when we first, when blogs first came out, I was one of the first architects in the, in the region to start blogging. And when I would go to a, an initial interview, they would talk to me like we were old friends. Right. You know, because they've been following the blog all those years. And so now Instagram and the other tools like Facebook allow us to do that same thing, to build those relationships over time, um, whether they're direct one-on-one conversation relationships or whether it's, you know, over time they just follow you and they know your story, uh, which is the important part. You're telling a story and right. they're following that story so they know your history. They know what you do and how you do it and where you came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to be part of that story. Right. and Because I, I think it's difficult when you're just anonymous an anonymous architect online that someone calls and you show up their house i think that can be a a almost a defensive situation right they don't know you they've seen some of your images and that kind of stuff but i think the key of the consistency over time 
is that it slowly allows them to feel like they know you. Just like if you watch a TV show, like like The Office or something, you might feel like you know Jim or Pam, right? You, yeah. you, you have this just because you've seen them over years and years and years doing things that you like, that if you were to ever see them, you feel like you know them. It, it's a similar kind of effect. It's not like if you call a plumber and they show up to the house and you've never seen them before. It's a, it's a little bit of a standoffish kind of thing, more transactional, more business, less emotional. Um, and I think getting to that point where they can feel very comfortable with you before you've even spoken a word is, is, is a good thing. Yeah. People work with people who they know, like, and trust. And this is a way to get through some of those initial barriers of knowing and liking and trusting. Um, that's part of the sales process, right? If you come in cold, you need to get through that initial process of, of convincing them that they, they can know you. You need to teach them a little bit about who they are, that they like you, that they you have build a rapport in that first meeting. They trust you from the work that you've done and the things that you're saying in that initial meeting. But if you've been doing that over years, twice a week, every week, and they're following you and they're intentionally going to follow your story, that when you do finally show up at their doorstep, ring the doorbell and they answer the door, they already know, like, and trust you. Now it's just a confirmation that what they initially feel is actually the truth. And, and you're going to move much forward much quicker. Yeah, it allows us to, and that when we do eventually meet with them, have a conversation just about them and their house and their job. We're not, we, we rarely have to sell ourselves right. what we're working on, what we're doing. They already know it. And a lot of times they'll know sometimes more than us. Like, hey, remember that when you did this? And like, oh yeah, you know, they, they, they feel like they already know, they do already know it because they've been following along. And it allows us to just be much more personal very quickly and focus on their job and how we can help them rather than say what we're working on or what we've done or, you know, almost have a resume type thing. The resume is already there and they've seen it over time. Right, right. So if you had to put a percentage, and you probably don't track this, but maybe you do. If you had to put a percentage of the number of percentage of projects that uh, you've you've contracted with mm-hmm. that Instagram has played a part in, maybe, maybe not the direct, you know, they followed you and so they hired you, but right. Instagram was part of the story of you of you signing that contract. How, what's the percent you think? We somewhat track it in terms of we ask of how people have found us. Yeah, um, ninety plus percent. That's a huge. Number. I mean, it's it's. I mean, last last year we got over two hundred inquiries, and over ninety percent of them found us on social media. Yeah, and you're all, basically all most of your effort, ninety percent of your effort, is in Instagram. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's Instagram, and then it's you know online articles and that kind of stuff are typically how people find us. Yeah. Um, and, and you've and you've been published, and you you know you work mm-hmm. hard hard at getting published and getting recognized right. for credibility, and and mm-hmm. and that all leads back to your social media. When you get published, right. you have some work to to some credibility building through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's it's a very very high majority. Yeah. That's that's a huge number. That's a huge number, and and there's zero dollar cost to that. There's lots of time. Correct. There's yeah. time. You have to plan it, and you have to prepare the documents or the, the images and you have to consistently post them. And so whether you're using an automated tool to remind you to post or you're building that into your workflow, your weekly calendar workflow, that takes time. Um, and there's value to time, but um, you know, it's not like you're paying an advertisement in a magazine or 
spending you know hours shaking hands at networking events. It's a it's a tremendous payback for the for amount sure. of time that you're putting in that. It's it's all calculated up. It's less than easily less than two hours a week, probably closer to an hour a week. Yeah, huge. Which is not not a large amount, and I I personally find it fun. I yeah. like to engage with people. Um, we do get a decent amount of private messages and that kind of stuff. And we have created friends and that kind of stuff through social media. Um, and so personally it's, it's fun and it's, it's, you know, you reap the rewards with getting clients that want to work with you personally. Yeah. And so I would say that, that the focus that you've just, that you intentionally focused on Instagram. So you didn't have to put all of your efforts and time into four or five different platforms. That you're there and some of that is automated, automatically fed to those other platforms, but you've chosen Instagram and mm-hmm. then you've planned out your intention. You, you, you understood what you wanted to do with it. You, you planned it out and say, this is how the grid is going to be used. This is how stories is going to be used. And you, you scheduled into your workflow on your weekly workflow. Even your weekends are sort of mm-hmm. part of that workflow. You've built that out. You post twice a week on your grid. You've consistently posts to stories. So there's a story happening there. And over time, doing this consistently, time after time, small victories lead to great rewards. And you're seeing a 90% return on the efforts that you put in all, all those all those years. Awesome. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely the, the biggest thing I can say is to be patient with it. Um, and to just like anything else, there's a little bit of trial and error. Yeah. It's to just be, I think as architects, we're pretty good at uh, understanding cues and, and reading context. And I think do the same with the way that you post. Um, I think, and we can talk into, you know, having a business account versus personal account a little bit and some of the tools you get, but there are ways to sort of track what is working better for you and sort of, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world if you have a terrible post or, you know, it doesn't perform well or whatever, you know, just use that and, and, and it can shape over time into a, the direction that you want to go. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I, I want to ask that last question, but I have one more thought to, to, to talk about in terms of engagement, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think a lot of, a lot of architects, a lot of people on Instagram, they post their image and they expect four or five, six comments and, you know, a hundred thousand likes, you know, you know, if right. I'm not getting those, those 50 likes per image and I'm not getting five comments, then it's a waste. It's, there's no right. engagement, then it's not working. What is your thought on that? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, we'll look back at some of our earlier posts and there'll be like eight likes and zero comments, you know, and now there might be 2000 likes and a hundred comments. Um, so it, it changes based, you know, on that, but we've even found that likes aren't really necessarily the best indicator of a good post. Likes show sort of mass appeal, which is good. Um, sometimes likes show more what is easily accessible to people. Um, we found with the, with the business account, you can see who, not who, but how many people bookmark it and how many people share it privately with someone else. We found that when talking to clients afterwards that we eventually got, that those are the things that indicate better posts. Because if someone's bookmarking it and someone's or someone's sharing it privately, typically to a significant other is what we found, is that they're, they're planning. Right. Right. They're, they're saving that for a reason. It's not just like, you know, if I'm scrolling down and I see, or, you know, a restaurant with a burger and I'm like, Oh, I'm hungry. I double tap a burger. Right. 
it's better if I share that burger with my wife because it's like, okay, now we're going to go get burgers, right? So it's those are the things that we've found to be more successful, uh, as well as, you know, specific private messages and that kind of stuff. So I think don't worry too much about the likes. I do think the likes can steer you in a direction of what is engaging more mm -hmm. with your audience. Yeah, what's working. Whether it's, a, yeah, what type of photos, like we mentioned with the before and afters, we never thought that that would be, they're just on the surface, they don't look as good as a final photo. But um, I think someone on your podcast recently talked about people like to compare stuff, like that's what they, they uh, do best. And before and after sort of the ultimate comparison. So we, we didn't know that that sort of gold mine was there. And now it's something that we try to focus on. Even um, the change, in, we've changed the way we, we, we work in market for this as well, in terms of when we're taking before photos, um, we take them, um, uh, you know, when we're doing our existing conditions and that kind of stuff. But sometimes I'll go back right before construction starts, once we have the design and say, where do I think the good photo is going to be at the end, right? So starting to plan, it could be, you could be planning and that's planning a year and a half ahead of when you're going to get that final photo, right? Um, it always bugs me when I can't and I don't have a photo of a really good uh, before for where the after is. Because you want to get um, the same angle and the same I want to get the same angle and the same distance because if you can nail that, those are the best in terms of showing people what was there and what your process and your design and all that kind of stuff led to in a very clear legible way for people. Um, I think that's by far the best. And then the other thing to think about just quickly is when you're shooting your final photos, how would those photos look if they were square? Mm -hmm. So when you want final photos, you're typically in that sort of widescreen, you know, six by nine or whatever type format of what a photo is or yeah, the especially, vertical portrait. Especially with residential, modern residential right. architecture. It's very, it's hard, especially your it's architecture, it's exactly. very, very horizontal. Exactly. So you have to think, and we even talk with our photographers, we want a really good shot, obviously, for our website and publications and that kind of stuff. That's a typical shot. But maybe give us more sky or give us more ground so that when we square it, we're not cropping off half of the building. Yeah. So even thinking about when you're taking your final photos, the mediums that you're going to share it with in the future. So it, it's it's not just changing just your quick, you know, everyday kind of flow. It's also thinking about in the future, how can you change the way your workflow is to, to better be uh, ready for this medium. And it's not investing everything in it. We're still getting the normal photos and that kind of stuff because who knows at some point Instagram may go or the square photos may go and you don't want to just have square photos. But to be cognizant that square photos look best when you're taking your final photos, a lot of photographers will have a little iPad screen and you can just see and just crop on that screen. Okay, this is what the square would be like, perfect. And I like the other shot as well. So that's a good photo. So we're getting two for one with this photo. Yeah, very great, great advice. Great advice. Um, so Kevin, what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today, right now, to build a better mm -hmm. business for tomorrow? Great question. Um, I would say, I guess if we're going on the Instagram theme, um, I would I would try to prepare a month worth of posts and try that at, at first. So go through your archives of photos. Um, if they're more recent, if you haven't shared them or what have you, and find, if it's a month, if it's four weeks, find eight photos and write captions for all eight of those photos and consider the story that each of those tells 
and how it works within the larger narrative of what you're doing. So, and actually within that, I would say, maybe it's not all final photos. Have maybe uh, five final photos, two construction photos, and a, a rendering of something that you're working on now. Change it up a little bit so that people sort of see uh, what you've done, what you're doing, and sort of what's going on and what's in the future. If you can sort of change that up consistently, I think that's very helpful. So I would say sit down, take a half hour on your computer, create a little folder on your desktop, copy those folders in there, make sure that those photos are, are square, the proportion that you want, you know, put them on your phone, and then write up those little summaries, have them in your notes ready to go. So the next month, you're already set for all of your, your social media engagement. Very good. On the web, it's theranchmine.com. TheRanchMind.com is the website. On Instagram, go follow them right now. The Ranch Mine Official. The Ranch Ranch Mine Official. Mine is M-I-N-E, like a mm-hmm. like a gold mine. Yep. The Ranch Mine Official. Uh, Kevin, this is super valuable. You know, I think there there's been a lot of questions about Instagram. I think I think we all love it. You know, we mm-hmm. love looking at the photos, and I think it's fun to post. Um, but it's really good to hear an architect who has used it and has seen some real results. 90%, 90 plus percent of your projects are somehow related to the, to the work that you're doing on Instagram. Super valuable. Thanks for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have I always like having Kevin on the show. He has such a great broad knowledge of uh, building a firm from scratch and using the technology that we have today and using the tools to their greatest advantage, leveraging social media. He's crushing it over there at the Ranch Mine. You should go check him out. And if you like this episode, if you do like this episode, this is episode 263. So you know what to do. That's the, sh- the link to share. Go share that with a friend. It's entrearchitect.com slash episode 263. That's the only thing I ask for you. I'll do this every week if you just keep sharing those links to your friends. I want every small firm architect in the world to know what we're doing here at Entree Architect. And you're my army. You're the ones that know how to do that. You're the ones who know the architects out there who don't know what we're doing here at Entree Architect. So please go share that episode. It's entrearchitect.com slash episode 263. I think this is one uh, that would be a great one to share. Use some of these tricks, some of these techniques that Kevin has shared and go build an Instagram feed that could bring new work to your firm. And don't forget to go right now to download our newest free profit tool, the Entree Architect Billing Rate Calculator, and quickly calculate a billing rate that includes your pay rate, your overhead, and your profit. It's all in there. A couple of, plug in a couple of numbers, and it will calculate a profitable billing rate for every member of your team. And it's free. Go right now to entrearchitect.com slash billing rate calculator. That's entrearchitect.com slash billing rate calculator. It's our gift to you. If you're an entrepreneur architect who runs or owns your own small firm, then you are an Entree Architect. And I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening and have a great week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.